everyone. For the last few weeks, we've been studying the book of Psalms, specifically looking at prayer in a series called Praying the Psalms. The first few weeks, we looked at emotion and God dependency. This week, we are looking at what we should be praying about, specifically giving God adoration, as we've heard mentioned this morning. While many Psalms have an have aspects of adoration. There are a few which completely focus on giving God the praise due His name. And one of them is Psalm 145, which is our passage this morning. This is a psalm of David and what is um, known as the last psalm of the Hallelujah Psalms. It's also one of the few psalms um, which is an acrostic, having each stanza begin with a different Hebrew letter and subsequent through all the verses. Now, while we may not be able to see that in the English, it is a well-crafted psalm and a well-crafted prayer to the Lord, for that's what psalms are, prayers which can be sung. Please join me as we read God's inerrant and infallible word from Psalm 145. This is the word of the Lord. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you. And praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty. And on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. And I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and His mercy is over all that He has made. All your works shall give thanks to the Lord, O Lord. And all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words and kind in all His works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to You and give You them food in due season. You open Your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His works. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord perseveres all who love Him, but the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our Lord stands forever. Please join me in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, holy and almighty God, I thank You for giving us Your Word. I thank You for who You are and what You've done. Please open our hearts and open our minds that we may understand Your Word and we may apply it to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. The last few years, and specifically the last few days, have been fraught with turmoil and sadness. Recently, we have seen people run out of their homes and their country while others are left behind to fear for their lives. We are hearing accounts of Afghani Christians being persecuted and being, being prepared to be martyred for their death, or sorry, martyred uh, for their faith in Christ, being prepared to die. And all around the world, there are people crying out, what is going on? Why is this happening? If there is a God, is He in control? And the answer is yes. Yes, God is still in control. His plan has not changed. Sin is the reason that we have chaos, sadness, sickness, and death. Yet God has not been caught off guard. His plans and His promises have not been altered or abandoned. As we shared over and over again during summer Bible camp this year, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what is going on around us, no matter what is happening around the world, or even in our homes, God is still in control. For He is sovereign over all things. And for this, He is worthy of worship. And God has created us to worship Him. And we see this plainly in Scripture. And part of worshiping God is coming before Him in prayer. In the midst of of our pain and suffering, and the suffering going on all around the world, and even in the political whirlwind that seems to dominate our thoughts constantly, we ought rightly to jump to prayer. Praying to our sovereign God, for He hears and He answers our prayers. Yet as we see in Scripture, God is not just a genie that we are to beg or to demand things of. That we say, yes, this needs to be changed and He'll do it. We must remember that prayer is a conversation between us and the Lord God Almighty, the King of all creation. And He must be treated with the respect due His name for He is the Lord. He is God. And part of being treated with respect that He is due is coming before Him in adoration or adoring Him. Now, we live in a world which definitions are constantly changing. And I want you to understand what I mean by the word adoration. I do not mean that he is adorable like a baby or a puppy. What I mean is that when I use this word adore, is to give praise and honor, humbling ourselves before the one who is the king over all creation. As Psalm 136 says, he is the God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. And His steadfast love endures forever. In our passage that we just read, we see that God is the King. He is the ruler over everything, seen and unseen. And He is worthy of adoration. But why are we speaking on this in a time of prayer, in a series on prayer? Specifically in the Psalms. Well, as I mentioned before, Psalms are prayers. And we see in most of these psalms, and actually in most of the um, prayers and all throughout Scripture, a time set aside to adore God. 
to praise Him for who He is and what He has done. But when are we to do this? When are we to give adoration to God in prayer? Well, we see this in the first three verses of our passage. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. In these verses, we see that we are to come before God in adoration all the time. All the time. Each time we come before God in prayer, we should be giving adoration to Him. Not only now, but forever. Meaning that we are to come before God in adoration not only here on earth, but in all of eternity. Adoring Him no matter the circumstance. For it is an act of worship. And that's what we're called to do. We are to worship God for all of eternity. No matter what is even going in our lives day to day, what's going on in your life right now, we are commanded to worship the Lord. And we are still to give adoration to Him for who He is and what He has done, regardless of the present circumstances we find ourselves in. For instance, in Psalm 88, which is the saddest psalm in all of Scripture, for it ends in darkness. Yet even in that psalm, the unknown psalmist, at the beginning he writes, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night, before you in the midst of sorrow and sadness he focuses on adoring the lord for he knows god is sovereign over all of creation even if the even at the psalmist at the end of he feels like he maybe even at the end of his rope feeling like all the world is closing on and around him he knows that he can be near to god And he must give God the adoration that he deserves. And we see a call in verse 1 for continual adoration. It's plainly seen. Since God is the one true God and he is the king over all things, he deserves our adoration. He deserves our extolling of him. Or in other words, our lifting up his name. He deserves the blessing of his name and the praising of His name, now and forever. For He is the only one who is worthy of this dedication to praise. For example, I I have a favorite sports figure. When I was growing up, um, Cal Ripken Jr. was all the rage when I was a fan. Oh, and I still am a fan of the Baltimore Orioles, even as hard as it can be. And every time he would come to bat because usually I was at home, not at the stadium, I'd still stand up and I'd, I'd start clapping and cheering as loud as I could. Yet, he was only worthy of cheering when he was at the bat. Okay? He wasn't worthy of cheering all times and all places. And soon, even though he's been retired for many years and is enshrined into the Hall of Fame, at some point his accomplishments will be forgotten. Someone will be greater than he is. God's character and God's accomplishments are so great and so mighty that they will never be forgotten. Never be forgotten. And if you are able to give a sports figure adoration and praise, we how much more should we be giving God the adoration and praise that He is due? So how do we do this? How do we give God the adoration due His name? Well, the rest of the psalm, it gives us a blueprint for this. Giving adoration to God for His works, for His character, for His role as King, 
and for His perpetual covenant faithfulness. Let's look at this first part, at giving adoration to God for His works and His character. We see this in verses 3 to 9. And let's start with character, meaning what He is like. For like us, God has various characteristics, which we see in Scripture, and we can observe in His creation. Sort of like how you can observe the character traits of others that are around you. For instance, many children over the next few days and weeks will enter a brand new school year, whether it's elementary school, middle school, or high school, or even college. And while this year is just beginning, let's fast forward to the end. And I would have loved to have done that when I was a child. Fast forward to the end of the year. Now, at the end of the year, usually on middle school and onwards, there are award ceremonies, giving awards to people who have either accomplished something great or have been shown that they have acted in a certain way. Like the friendliest person, the most honest person, the most likely to succeed. Sometimes these superlatives even go into yearbooks where we spotlight these characteristics because they're important to us. And they're usually valued in our society above other different types of traits. Similarly, in verses 3 and 8 and 9, we see which characteristics of God that David values about the Lord. These are the ones that he praises God for. That the Lord is great. That He is gracious, merciful. That He is good. Many people in history, they refer to themselves as great. Like Alexander the Great or Ahasuerus the Great, which we've seen in our Sunday school about Esther this summer. These men called themselves great or were called great because of their mighty deeds. Yet God does not need deeds to make Himself great. Now, He does have many deeds, and they are great. But He is great as a rule. He is the definition of greatness. All other people who are called great use this title as a comparison to everything else or anyone else in God's creation. Yet, compared to God, they are nothing. For He is above all. God is great and greatly to be praised. The same is true with God being gracious and merciful and good. He is the definition of these characteristics and He demonstrates them by His works. Which you see in verses 4-7. to seven. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty. And on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. And I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. God's works in these verses are put into three different categories. First, His work, which we see in the beginning of verse 4. His mighty acts in ver- the end of verse 4. His wondrous works in verse 5. And His awesome works in verse 6. Now this psalmist David, he was king over the nation of Israel. And Israel had seen mighty acts that God had done for them. The ones that they had passed down from generation to generation. Acts which were so well known that they were referred to in shorthand or well-known in context. Sort of like shorthand for major events like how we call um, what we call for 9-11, for example. In our passage, um, in verse 4, David refers to God's works in general. He is referring to God's work of creation. As we see in the book, 
Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, that God created the earth, the light and the dark, the sun, the moon, the stars, the sea and the land, all the plants and animals and humanity. This work is so great and so mighty that all generations must be told of His greatness. Like we see in verse 3. For this work, it reminds us of His great power as well as His great might and His love for creation. So how should we respond to these works? Well, we should respond as the great hymnist Francis of Assisi wrote in his seminal hymn, All Creatures of Our God and King. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice with us, sing, Alleluia, Alleluia. Thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam, oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him, Alleluia, Alleluia. If we are to fully understand God is our Creator, we cannot be kept silent. For as Roman 8 says, all of creation will cry out, to him as our God and our King. God is so great that we, his creation, are incapable of not praising his name, even though we may not know him as Lord. Therefore, in our prayers, we must give God adoration, for he is the creator of all things, including giving us the ability to communicate with him, the ability to pray to him, Praise to the Lord who is over all of creation. Now the same is true with God's mighty acts. Or in other words, the acts that He performs as King. Not only is God the Creator, He is the ruler of all creation. He is sovereign over every event that has ever happened or will ever happen. For all of time shows the greatness of God. Every nation is His to command. Every person is His to do with as He pleases. For He is King over all. We are His subjects because He is our Creator. Like how a drawing that you may make. Now some of us may be artists, some of us may not be. Like I'm not an artist in any way. But if I'm able to make a drawing, it is mine to do with as I please. As God's creation, we are His to do with what He pleases, whether we realize it or not. Praise to the King, who is not only perfect, but merciful and just, as verses 8 and 9 show. For God is high and powerful as King. He rules over all, and He cares about things that are great and small. Like a people that He calls His own, His children, whom while they disobey, He still loves them. Like a father. We see in verse 5, it continues, His wondrous works. Now in the Hebrew, this is referring to His works of redemption. In the eyes of the nation of Israel, the psalmist of which He is a part, the greatest act of His loving mercy that they could think of would have been the Exodus, in which God brought His people from captivity. He brought them out of Egypt, of the land of slavery, into a land flowing with milk and honey. Yet God's works were not over in the Exodus. No, God's works of mercy continue and culminate in Jesus' work on the cross. God showed grace, which means unmerited favor, and mercy, 
For yet, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were entrenched, entangled in our sin, unable to save ourselves, yet He sent Jesus, the Son, to earth to live a perfect life, a sinless life, a life that none of us could ever even try to live, and took the punishment of sin upon Himself, dying a sacrificial death on the cross, paying the debt each and every single one of us owe, and then rising from the grave on the third day, defeating death so that anyone who believes in Jesus as their Savior, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, will be saved. This is grace. This is mercy. For God did not have to save His people from their sin, yet He did out of love. And out of love and mercy, He does wondrous works. And in our prayers, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you can praise God, giving Him all the glory due His name for His wondrous works of love that He has shown you. From salvation to the day-to-day provision that He gives and everything in between. For He has given comfort, compassion, and physical needs, and so much more. God and His grace is amazing. While this may seem like David is trying to cover all of his bases in giving adoration to God, the text indicates that he has not forced adoration. Rather, out of, out of, or not even out of compulsion, out of a desire he does this. It seems that it's pouring out of his mouth that he almost can't stop. Like a small child who has a very deep passion for something and how they can only talk about that for hours and hours and hours on end. And this is what David is doing. He is giving praise to God, having it pour forth from his mouth over and over again because of the love that he has for his king. If God's works are obvious in your life and are becoming more obvious, even though they may have been his hidden hand may not be um, as obvious to you, seek the Lord in his, in his word. Seeking the, seeing the, age, the actions of David, praying to God as part of his daily life, and not just solely as something that you do on Sundays or just before meals, but rather having a willing spirit and pouring out the praise that God is doing in you. Now as king, God's works are not only mighty and wondrous, but they are awesome. We see this in verse 6. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deed, and I will declare your greatness. Now, the word awesome here has lost some thrust in the last few decades. We use it in our normal, everyday language. I'm guilty of it as well. Because the people of my generation, we use it just like saying, man, that was totally awesome. Meaning cool or wonderful. But that's not the full meaning of the word awesome. The word awesome means to have a sense of awe and a healthy sense of fear and reverence. For example, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, it is awesome. It is awe-inspiring and it gives us a healthy sense of fear and respect, of its power and its strength. Yet as awe-inspiring as Niagara Falls is with the waters pouring down over and over again, This wonder of the world was created by God, who was even more awesome than anything He could ever create. 
Yet instead of having that, that aweness driving us to obedience and love for God, we neglect to think on His works and to give the Lord the respect He is due, which we see in verses 4, 5, and 6, that they encourage us and actually they command us God's works to commend them to one another, to meditate on God's works and declare His greatness. So how do we do this? By reading, studying, and contemplating on God's Word. Spending time in the Bible so that you can learn more about your Creator. So that you can learn more about who He is, His character, and what He has done. And when you do, the Spirit will work in you, changing your desires and the ways that you have to that of Christ. So that like King David, your prayers will pour forth praise like the waters of Niagara. Speaking of kingship, in this psalm, David spends a lot of time talking about God as king. Now we need to put that in a little bit of perspective. David is king himself. So he's been thinking on that. That is a common thing to him. And he's reigning over the people that God has given him here on earth. But he is not the high king. For there is a king over him, and that is the Lord. David here is leading by example, praising the one who rules over all things, whose kingdom is greater than that of physical Israel. For God's kingdom is over all the earth. We see this in verses 10 through 13a. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your domain endures through all generations. Now while there are a lot of aspects to unpack in this passage about God's, God's kingship, there is one that stands out above the rest, which we just read, which is in verse 13. That God's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom which means that God Himself is everlasting. For you cannot have a kingdom without a king. These type of verses which we see throughout Scripture remind us that while the world may be flipping upside down, that God's kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. I mean, yes, He is king and He is reigning now, but His kingdom will not end with this world. Nor can His kingdom be destroyed by wicked people. For God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom of which there can be no end. For God has no end. This character of God's kingship, it demonstrates to us that we can trust in God for all things. No matter what the world comes up with, no matter how evil schemes of the devil may be, God is victorious. And there will come a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So in our prayers of adoration to God, we can pray with confidence in His ability, in His longevity, in His faithfulness because of His eternal nature. Additionally, in this psalm, over and over again, the psalmist tells us that we are not to be kept silent about God's character nor His works. We should be giving adoration to God in our public lives, sharing the love of God that He, ha that, um, he has shown us um, with all who we come in contact with, 
teaching of it to our families and to our children and to those who are around us. For God is faithful in keeping His promises and He commands us to faithfully share Him with others. Speaking of God's faithfulness, in verses 14 to 20, we are reminded of God's faithfulness to His people. In the garden, God made a promise to Adam, actually specifically in Genesis 3, that He would send a Savior to save His people from their sin. And then He renewed this promise with Noah, and then again with Abraham and Moses, and later with our psalmist David. God promises to provide for His people. And specifically in verse 18, we see that because of the salvation that He provides, the Lord gives the benefit of nearness to Him. If you are a follower of Christ, you can call out to the Lord in prayer, and He will answer. That is a certainty. It may be yes, it may be no, it may be wait, but He will answer. And when we are afraid, He will provide comfort. And when we are in need, He will provide what is needed to glorify Him. The Lord is near so that the people of God can be with Him. We see this in the book of 1 Kings with the account of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. They needed to shout and cut themselves in a desperate hope that their God would hear them. Because He was not near. Yet, Elijah, all he needed to do was pray, and God sent down fire from heaven, answering his prayer. Like Elijah, if you are a follower of God, you can rest assured that God will answer your prayers to him. He will hear your praise, for he is near. And best of all is that this is what he desires from us, to come before him in prayer. For this is what we were created to do. We were created to be in communion with God and glorifying Him and enjoying Him forever. By praising God in our prayers, we are enjoying who He is and what He has done. We also see that God fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. Not that He gives us what we selfishly want, but God in His works, in His people, comforts hearts. And the desire and desires, and he conforms us to his, his perfect will. He provides what we actually truly desire and what he created us to do, which is desire a relationship with him. Lastly, he not only provides for his people and what they need for life and him, nearness to him and what we truly desire, but he also perseveres his people. Or in other words, he watches over them which we see in verse 20. The Lord perseveres all, or sorry, the Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. God watches over and keeps all of whom are His children, the sheep of His pasture. He will not let them go astray, for He preserves them, for we cannot preserve ourselves on our own. It is only by His power, His might, His love that we are saved and stay in the covenant of grace. We see in verse 21 how David responds to this faithfulness as an example to all the followers of God. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. 
and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. If you are a follower of God each and every day, come before Him in prayer with adoration, for this is what He desires and what He deserves. Blessing His holy name, not just in the easy times, not just in the times of prosperity, but in times of weakness, in times of sorrow and sadness, when the whole world seems to be falling apart. For while these effects of the fall rage on, God's perfect love stays the same. And we must give Him the adoration due His name forever and ever. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, holy and mighty God, You are the one true God. Glory and honor are due Your name, Father. Your name is above every name, for You are the great I Am. And Your name deserves glorious praise. Father, we know that You are incomprehensible, for You are the Creator. And due to our position as the creation, we cannot fully comprehend who You are. Yet while You are not able to be fully known, we rest in the knowledge that due to Your incomprehensibility, You are more powerful and more knowledgeable than we could ever be. Father, we profess that You are matchless and without comparison. All that You do, Father, is by Your will and Your will alone. No one can compete with You, for You are the God of gods. You are the Lord of lords. And You are the One who brought Your children out of of Egypt Father, You are the One who parted the Red Sea. You are the One who set Your people free. Father, You are the One who protected the Israelites by throwing Pharaoh and his army into the sea. Father, You are the One who guided the Israelites by day with a pillar of cloud and by night with a pillar of fire, Father. You are worthy to be praised for Your actions. And Your steadfast love endures forever. Father, please help us today and for the rest of our lives to desire to praise Your name, to adore You. Father, please give us the desire so that we may live in accordance with Your Word and to grow in our relationship with You. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we head-